Welcome to the Texas Home Improvement Super Podcast with Jim Dutton. All the best calls this week throughout the state of Texas. Brought to you by James Hardy Siding, the best siding on the planet. Catherine, welcome to WBAP. How can I help you? Thanks, Jim, so much. I love your show. Listen to it as much as I can. Um, my daughter and her husband, my, new, my young daughter, are, they're thinking of buying a home in Plano. And, I mean, in Frisco, actually. I'm telling you that because it might be important. I don't know about what their codes are. But anyway, the foundation was just recently fixed. And I've heard you say in the past that you need to do a static test on the foundation, on the plumbing to make sure when the foundation is fixed that the pipes didn't get moved or damaged, I believe. That is correct. And and what happens is if there's a leak, it can cause that foundation to move again. So, right. Uh, in fact, there's a lot of foundation companies. Uh, I'm going to say they're less than honorable because they'll put in their contract that if there's a leak, you've got 30 days to fix it or your warranty is voided, mm-hmm. and they don't bother doing the tests themselves. That, 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 just, that just irks the heck out of me. But beyond that, yes, definitely if you've had foundation work done – there should have been a test before and after leveling. And the reason I do one before, a lot of homeowners have insurance coverage and don't realize it for accidental discharge. And mm-hmm. if, the, if the foundation company levels it and then finds the leak, insurance won't step in and help you. But if the leak is found before the house is lifted, you can be digging holes, driving piles, and all that stuff. But before the house is lifted, if the leak is found and you've got insurance coverage, now they step in and help out with the bill. But since this is a purchase, insurance isn't going to be involved in this one. Okay. And also, Jim, I think, didn't you say that a master plumber needed to do the the uh, static test? No. Or Oh, really? Okay. No. Uh, it it doesn't, definitely does not have to be a master plumber. Uh, quite frankly, anybody can do a static test. It's nothing more than find the clean-out. You put a test ball down the clean-out, air that ball up to seal the the water from being able to travel through the exit, fill mm-hmm. the entire system with water, and see if it holds. I see. Okay. So, but a plumber, I mean, because they're not... They don't have any knowledge of this. I guess a plumber would be a good person to do it. Absolutely. Can you recommend anyone, Jim? Oh, sure. Uh, You can call my company, Due West Plumbing. Okay. We we do it all the time. Okay. Do you know about how much it might be? Uh, Typically, a static test will run you $350. Really? Okay. Also, Jim, when you, the foundation has been fixed on this house. Uh Um, Just really recently, within a couple of weeks, I think, or so. Also, um, wondering if the um, the the, if you can have a gas leak when you move Uh, the foundation. Good question, Catherine. I'm going to put you on hold. We're going to come back after the news, traffic, and weather, and start addressing more of those issues. We were talking with Catherine and Plano about foundation repair, the importance of doing a static test on the sewer system after and before leveling the home. And, Catherine, you had a question as far as gas leaks after leveling. Yes, because evidently there – I wish I had been involved, but they found this home before 
you know, the other person still owns sure. it. They haven't closed yet. I think it's in a couple of weeks or something, but depending on all these inspections. But anyway, um, they say that there's a plumbing leak, and I wondered if that was due to that foundation repair. And then the gas leak, um, there's a gas leak potentially, and I wondered if the foundation, you know, fixing that could cause a gas leak. You know, depending on where the leak is, yes, it, it can be caused, but typically the only place that uh, gets affected on the gas lines is where it goes into the house. Okay. Because, that, you know, that goes down into the ground and it can get some some stress on it at that location. But, like, if it's somewhere else in the house, usually there's enough float around in everything that, no, it's not an issue. Okay, so it can be fixed pretty easily. Oh, well, no, not necessarily. Uh, because right. it it can be... Depending on where the leak is, you know, it can be behind cabinets. It can be behind, mm-hmm. definitely behind sheetrock. Uh, mm-hmm. And sometimes it's the the line going, like, to a fireplace. So mm-hmm. it can even be behind brick. So it's really going to depend on where it's at. Honestly, they're typically not real hard to find, though, because gas gives off an odor. And mm-hmm. they do make a gas detector that the plumbers use to uh, follow the lines and you know, you're, you're able to pretty much pinpoint where that gas line leak is. Hello, I recently, two weeks ago, pressure washed my driveway. When I returned the pressure washer to the store, I mentioned that I was going to use wet and forget on the driveway to keep it clean. The gentleman at the store suggested I use Thompson's concrete sealer. What is your advice? Thanks. Well, here's the difference. When you use wet and forget, spray and forget one of those products it's an enzyme that eats the molds and fungus and all that stuff that grows whether you're spraying it on the siding of the home patios driveways any of those things it eats away at at that fungus and and, and basically helps keep it from coming back because there's an enzyme in there that eats away at it thompson's concrete water concrete sealer is Basically, something that's going to go over the surface to seal the surface. The problem is it's wax-based. It's going to have a temporary use. And quite frankly, rolling vehicles on it and stuff is even going to shorten that. So if if it was me, if you've already pressure washed it, I probably would wait a little bit until you start seeing stuff starting to grow back again. Then put the wet and forget on because what that'll do is as that fungus and mildews and stuff start to sprout, the enzymes are going to go in there, eat it up, and take care of the issue. So your driveway will continue to look good. Quite frankly, the the, the sealer on top, and I don't care if you use Thompson's or a professional concrete sealer. Yes, there are professional type concrete sealers out there, nice commercial type concrete sealers that would do much better but it's not going to change that black stuff because that's just from dust and dirt that settles into the pores of the concrete into the rough areas and allows it to start sprouting stuff the sealer on the concrete is not going to make any difference on that so i wouldn't spend the money on it if it was me tony welcome to texas home improvement well, hi, Jim. Thank you for taking my call. I've been enjoying the show. Thank you. Um, 
I'm calling about uh, adding on a porch, and, and I wanted to increase the value of my home, but I didn't know if there's a difference between just adding a porch with a covering or if I should have, like, a porch with four posts and lights and uh, maybe an attic and ceiling fans. What makes a difference in the value? Well, when you say adding a porch, uh, you're, you're talking about just, just the base part? Yeah. Well, the, I want uh, I want it to be covered, and on the outside, I guess in Katy, I, I, in Texas, I want to cover so that we uh, are protected from the sunlight while we're right. outside and, and the weather. Okay. Well, a porch in general is going to help add value. Uh, you know, the bigger thing is when you go to sell, it makes it more appealing to people. I don't know how much value it's going to add. It'll add some, but whether it's going to add enough to offset the cost is is a big question because you're not adding living square footage, but you're adding something that people truly want with a home. And yes, the more attractive you can make the cover itself, the better off you're going to be, and that will start adding more value. Electric is a big plus because nowadays so many people want to do outdoor kitchens and have TVs and things like that out on these patios. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was thinking of, of uh, ceiling fans and outlets for an outdoor TV yep. and, uh, and causing it to keep the bugs out uh, as well as being able to cook like a separate cooking area set up. So I'm thinking of like a, maybe a 400 or 500 square foot large porch. Now, are you going to sell the house anytime soon? No. We okay. just bought it last year, so this is a new construction home. We're just gotcha. trying to figure out what to do with the backyard. Well, and, and here's the reason I asked that question. Typically on something like that, you are adding it for your enjoyment. Yes, it's going to add value to the home. An outdoor kitchen that way uh, will typically add you know, if you and I know it's not going to cost this. You'll you'll probably spend more than this on it. But it, let's say you spent ten thousand on it, it'll probably add seven or eight thousand to the value of the house. That other two or three thousand, that's because of your pure enjoyment of having it. Okay, I can live with that. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Jim. I you bet. Thanks, Tony. You have a good one. You too. Uh, and, you know, other things that you add to your home do the same thing. They don't necessarily return a 100% value to the home, but it's there for your enjoyment for the time you own the home. Swimming pools, love swimming pools, but that takes out a lot of market because a lot of people don't want a pool, so that actually can not increase the value of your home. It doesn't hurt the, the value of the home, but it does narrow down your your buyer's market for it robert this is jim and robert i'm going to tell you up front we're going to be taking a quick break here in just a few seconds so i'll let you get started on the question okay uh i have a home that's a two-story home that i was built in the 60s i think and uh, my question is uh on insulation for some reason i've always wondered why i didn't have insulation between the floors in other words so Okay. On top of the first floor. Well, I tell you what, I'm going to put you on hold first for a minute while we take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll address that insulation between the floor levels. Calling about uh, 
the fact that I was always concerned that I didn't have insulation between oh, the floors. Oh, yes, between the floors. On a two-story house. Okay, and, and none of them do. And the reason they don't, insulation, you know, although it does help with sound deadening, they don't typically use it for that. It, it's meant to slow the heat transfer. And so areas that aren't heat and cooled separately don't have insulation. Garages typically don't have insulation or shouldn't have insulation because the insulation can hold heat and slowly release it through the night when it would be cooler in the garage. So uh, there, there, there really isn't a reason to put insulation between the floors uh, because it's not going to serve any purpose there. Okay. Well, the way my house is constructed, um, the second story, I don't know how to explain it, it's, it's open on the ends, uh, as best I can explain. I mean, you can crawl up in the attic and you can go behind the wall uh-huh. of the second floor and you can look through it. Okay. Does that, does, does that same... Uh, when you say you can look through it, you, you're saying you can look down underneath between the floors? Yes. Okay, then no. They should have had insulation around that so that you you don't have that ability because yeah you're letting heat down into that area if there's no insulation to to protect it okay but you're not are you saying now i do insulate on top of the no uh, uh in that area that that attic space you know when you go from the second floor when you go out into the attic space yeah. uh that should be insulated and there should be insulation on the ends of those uh, floor joists between the two floors to keep air from yeah. moving. To keep air from moving between the floors. I understand. Okay, very good. All right, you answered my question. Thank you. All right, take care. Okay. Bye. Yeah, that sounds like that's just a, an oversight that uh, somebody missed and shouldn't be too difficult to to take care of. Just a reminder, it's a huge help if you subscribe to, rate, and review the podcast. It helps people find us. Bill, welcome to Texas Home Improvement. Thanks, Jim, for taking my call. Uh, I've developed a problem the last month or two where lights lights in the bathroom, they're incandescent lights, and in the kitchen blink periodically, not continuously, but periodically. Yep. Any ideas? You got a loose connection somewhere. Okay. Now it's through the whole house. It's not, uh, you know, uh, in just one room. Do they all do it at be- the same time, or does it, does it randomly? No, they all do it at the same time. Okay, that would be an indication then that you need to go. It needs to be started at the breaker box because it mm-hmm. very well could be one of the legs coming into the house. Uh, if right. they get loose, uh, when the wind blows, it can arc out and flash the lights. And I'll bet sure. you that's is what's going to, on. Is there any way to test that, like with a digital voltmeter or anything like that? Nope. That's going to be one of those things where they'll open it up and see if they can tighten down the nuts on the uh, wires themselves 
And that okay. is not not a do-it-yourself thing. You'll you'll want to have an electrician come in and do that. Well, I've done a, le- a lot of electrical work. I came out of the phone industry okay. about 30 years ago. Did my 30 years, and I, well, I'm fairly comfortable working around electricity. Well, this this is going to be the—and actually, when I say electrician, you're actually going to call a power company because this is going to be the main legs coming into the house at the meter. Oh, okay. Yeah. And that that would be something that they'd come out and check for free. Oh, Okay. So just call the, the and it's not my power company that I pay my bill to. It'd be the uh, the delivery company, correct? That is that is correct. Now, your lines overhead or underground? Overhead. Yep. And I bet you what's happening is when the wind blows, that's when it's arcing and and you know because it shakes that wire a little bit, and that's when you're seeing it. Pedro, welcome to Texas Home Improvement. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, Basically, I have some that appears to be like mold under a ceiling of my bedroom. Uh-huh. This is the only one. This, this is the second bedroom, the guest bedroom. And uh, I've never taken in water. And uh, I was thinking about some kind of spray. Or do you think I have to knock down walls and replace all that? Well, is it is it uh, just like on the surface where you can just wipe it off? Well, I, I did it once. But it appear again in okay. a matter of a few months. Yep. Well, then, yeah, you can probably get away with using a, a spray of some kind on it. Uh, are you closing up that room? You know, you got the air conditioning uh, vent closed off and closing the door? Uh, yeah, well, basically, I think the problem is when my grandson lived with us, uh-huh. he used to take our showers, and that might have done it. I don't know. He used to be there for hours. Yeah. With the water running. Yeah. Uh, well, and that can add to it, but make sure you keep the AC vent open in that room and the door open so you get good air circulation, and that'll help minimize okay. it. And put some spray and forget or wet and forget. That's an enzyme that can eat that product up. Uh, also, you may want to consider looking at a, a uh, go online and look at fiberlock.com. That's a disinfectant cleaner that's used after houses flood to kill all that stuff. Stephen, this is Jim. How can I help you? Yes, I was uh, interested in uh, screening in my uh, patio, and based on the commercial I just heard, you said Texas Remodel Team could probably help me plan something like that. If the fact is, I know for sure they can, because that's one of the things they love doing is the patio enclosures and screens and things. Good. So absolutely, they would be the, the guys to call. Now, from your experience uh, in terms of doing that, what are some things that I need to uh, think about? You know, the biggest one is, is going to be what you're putting it on. Uh, so often, people want to use the existing patio. Right. And if that thing's not in good shape, I would highly recommend you take it out and put a patio in that's got beams on it and all that stuff, much like the house would have. Uh, because if you go with just a four-inch concrete and it's moving, mm-hmm. putting a room on it's not going to help any, and it's not repairable should it move further. Okay, now my patio, is it's an existing patio that's attached to the house. Okay, if it's monolithic with the house, chances are real good it's already got beams and everything around it, and right. you can, it you does. can do it a you can do a patio enclosure on that with no problem at all. Uh, how expensive uh, might it be? Well, if you got three kids, you're only giving up one. 
Okay. No, they're, 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 they're really not that expensive. Uh, it, oh, it's really okay. going to all depend on, you know, are you wanting a, a screen type enclosure versus a glass enclosure? What type of roof right. you want to put on it? All that kind of stuff. That's really where the money difference comes in. Okay, uh, but well, the they, they start on. pretty reasonable. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. If the roof is already on, you've got the biggest expense done. Oh, okay. Good, good, good. So give me a number. Can you give me a number? Not a clue. How big is it? Oh, okay. Uh, see, I knew you were going to ask me that question. I don't, I don't know. I can't tell you the square feet, but it's a real small uh, patio. You know, yeah. it's, a, it's not that big. Yeah, but, but see, uh, all that goes into to how much it's going to take. You know, what it's going to cost to because materials right. and labor. That's that's really what you're going to be talking about on this. But honestly, okay. I don't I don't think you're going to be looking at an expensive project. Are you going to go with a, a glass enclosure where you can heat and cool it, or are you going to just screen it? I don't want no heat and cool. I'll go with the not the glass enclosure. I'll, yeah, just the screen. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. That won't that won't be bad at all then. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Sir. You bet. Take care, Stephen. This question came in from Linda. And she says, just listen to your show, and you talked about ventilation. I have some a home built in 1984. All I have is a gable vent on one end of the house. No cross ventilation at all. I have no soffit vents. What is the best way to get air in and out of my attic? Well, Linda, you know, if, if you've got gable vents, I'm not sure why you wouldn't have one on the other end of the house, but typically you put one on each end and the air flows through. Now, with that being said, I would add soffit vents because hot air rises, draws air in through the soffits, and lets it escape out. You could add, uh, if, if you're going to add a, another gable vent, then you can just add the gable vent and the soffit vents and be okay. But... If you're going to start adding ridge vent or air hawks or anything else, then you need to close up the gable vent and just have the soffit vents and whatever exit you're going to have for the air to go. And rule of thumb is for every 150 square foot of attic space you have, you want one square foot of ventilation. Just divide it between incoming and outgoing air. The reason you got to be so critical how the vents are done, if say you got that gable vent and you put in a solar panel or a, a solar fan, since we were just talking solar, well, you turn that solar fan on, it starts drawing air, and let's say that you added the soffit vents. Where's a path of least resistance for the air to come from? The gable vent. And so it's going to just draw from the gable right out through the soffit, not moving the air in the bottom of the attic. And that's why you can't mix and match ventilation systems. Most ventilation systems, what you want to do is have your soffit vents and then some way for the air to get out. Now, my favorite way is to use a uh, the ridge vents to let the air exit. My second is the solar-powered fans. Now, the gable vents actually work well. That was a technology that was used for years, uh, but they used to make very large openings in the gables for the air to circulate, so it, it did a better job. Nowadays, when they put in the gable vents, they put such small vents that it doesn't do what, they, what it really needs to do. Ace, welcome to Texas Home Improvement. How can I help you? 
estate rent, and our apartment is pretty finicky on what you can can and can't put in. I'm looking for a security system that would be wireless, that has no permanent fixtures whatsoever. They're even picky about sticking stuff on the wall, tape and all that stuff. What do you recommend on that? Uh, you know, there, there's actually most security systems are wireless nowadays. So even if you call a uh, regular security company, they're not going to come in and do hard wires anymore. They come in and do them wirelessly. Uh, so it's not as big a deal as it was even just five years ago. All right. And, and then um, so, so all that stuff would be portable, basically. If I moved, I could easily pack that up and then put it somewhere else, new apartment. Yep. Yes, sir. All right. Yep. All right, thank you. You bet. Take care. Yeah, it used to be all security systems had to be hardwired, and you got wires running through the attics and walls, and they're drilling holes in, in stuff. Nowadays, it's all put on double-faced tape, and it's all wireless. It goes back to the control box, which uh, is typically mounted on the wall, but doesn't have to be mounted that way. It, it can be put where it's portable, and can be taken out and moved to the next place. And uh, so, you know, whether you want to use uh, ADT or somebody else, it's it's all fully portable nowadays and can, can go with you. Ray and Mesquite, you're going to be my last call for the day. How can I help you? Well, thanks for taking my call. Yes, I have a garage, and I've noticed that uh, both door jams have been uh, rotting from the bottom. <clears throat> and I was asking, I uh, called you to ask if... Uh, would it be better to replace those two by sixes on either side with pressure treated wood or go with the regular wood? Uh, go with pressure treated. Okay. And, and what about the paint? Will the paint adhere to it or does it have any time of having to wait for it to dry out or anything? You're definitely going to want to wait for it to dry out, which usually is going to take a couple of months. But once it's dry, you can, uh, you know, prime it, seal it, and paint it just like you would any other piece of wood. But you won't have to worry about it rotting out like that again. That's a real common problem on those overhead doors. And and the main reason it does it, the bottom is cut. And it usually doesn't get yeah. painted. And so moisture starts, you know, when it rains, splashing up underneath there. And it just rots from the bottom up. Yeah, it's just sitting on the concrete. Yep. I appreciate it. You bet. Thank you again for taking my call. My pleasure, Ray. You take care and have a happy New Year. You've just heard the best calls and questions from Texas Home Improvement. For more information about our show, go to THIPro.com.